So firstly, thank you all for coming. It's nice that you're here in the library with me. I wish it was a little more air conditioned. But that's part of the practice, I guess, right? So I was in a monastery in Germany and we meditated every day five in the morning till like six in the morning kind of thing and then at night for half an hour and I did that for about eight years and there was also then times where I'd go on retreat for a month or a couple months at a time or a couple weeks at a time Um, and while I was meditating for the probably the first five years I wasn't really that successful So if any of you feel frustrated coming here once a week and not really doing a good job, imagine meditating every day for an hour for five years. Yeah, so that was kind of like that. And then, um, but just through asking some teachers some questions eventually and looking at my own practice, I figured out what I was doing wrong, um, which was trying to meditate versus just being present and relaxing and letting it happen. And... um, And then my meditation increased and progressed really well. And I did a couple longer term retreats where I was able to go very, very deep in. And um, since coming home, so I've been home back in the States for, I don't know, three years maybe now, about. And um, I personally do not have what I would call a regular meditation practice. I don't wake up every morning and sit. Um, I teach meditation four nights of the week almost. So I'm kind of meditating with people often. And every now and then, just when I feel inspired, when I feel like I need it, when I'm kind of in the place for it, I'll drop in. Um, So that's personally where I'm at with my own practice. And then there's times that I'll go on little personal retreats where I, you know, will take time for myself just to meditate and practice and kind of go inward and then come back out. Um, but for me right now, my personal practice is much more about like being in this life, in this world right now. I took a long time to focus inward, I would say, and now I'm actually trying to focus outward and see that's my personal journey with everything. Um, and meditation is a tool for that, and I can drop in really deep and really fast whenever I practice, which is great because, you know, I feel, you know... 20 minutes of meditating right now is equal to like five hours of meditating when I was in the monastery and I didn't know what I was doing. So it's kind of quality is also pretty important sometimes, I would say, versus quantity. Um, But teaching a class who's just kind of beginning and picking it up, I almost feel like I would rather relate this to me going to the gym, which is something that I started doing more recently which I had a hard time doing or I do kind of off and on. And then I said, I'm going to go every single day. And I went every day for like a month straight, you know. And it was only when I started doing that that I started building up a momentum. It started feeling like part of my routine. It started feeling good. I wanted to do it. I felt something was off if I missed it. Um, And I love meditation personally because I just have... I know the results of it and it's just so amazing that I meditate happily you know when I meditate it's all I love it and I think it's important to get to that place 
And maybe you need to be a little bit disciplined to get yourself to that place where there's a tipping point where suddenly it's something that you want to do more of. Where it starts to feel good, where you see the results, where you know why you're doing it. Um, and then it's not like applied effort as much. It's more of like they say like a sustained effort. Like it's just you're happy to be there and it's easy to go back into that spot. So I would say that having something like discipline, having something like a little bit of structure, a little bit of a commitment, especially at the beginning, I would say is pretty important to get the ball rolling, to build it up. And then moving forward, once you can really feel that it's good for you, once you really like it, then you can kind of see how you want to integrate it. But it's not like, um, you know, when you're first beginning that if you stop pushing the ball, the ball is just going to stop and that's it. Right, you want to get to the place where the ball is just rolling by itself. There is no recipe for that. There's no amount of time. There's no days. You know, everyone is so different. I personally like meditating um, in the evenings. Like this is a great time for me when I was on retreat. My deepest meditations would be about ten in the morning, like ten to twelve in the morning, and then starting at around this time or seven thirty eight until maybe like one in the morning i would have like really good meditation so kind of you know midday and then evening was personally when my mind is able to do it um, in the middle of the day i find i'm very tired like 12 till four or five the biorhythm goes down i'm very groggy i've actually heard studies that this is a normal thing for human beings that after lunchtime, we all just kind of get blah. And uh, that's, it seems like a general thing that people feel. And some people drink coffee and things to pick themselves back up and push through it. But it seems like naturally the biorhythm kind of drops around that time anyway. Um, but there's also other ways to practice besides meditating. There's other ways to practice meditation besides meditating. Right. And I mean that, for instance, if you were to just become more present in your daily life with everything you're doing, if you're learning to let go, if you're learning to kind of accept situations or work through things in your life, you're building the conditions that when you do sit down to meditate, it happens much faster. It happens easier. So I talk about this a lot, but, you know, our daily life is not different than meditation. It's the same mind. So if there's stuff in your daily life that you're working on that you haven't dealt with, if you have like emotions and things that are like still kind of bubbling up and you want to sit down to meditate, guess what? That's the stuff that's going to come and greet you right away is because it's still waiting for you there. So I would, you know, my teacher, when I went to the monastery, he would never send somebody off on a meditation retreat right away. It would first be like live and work in the community for a couple of years, like really, you know, build up um, the understanding of yourself, get some mirrors from other people, see what you're coming up against, what habits you're carrying from your life, what's going on, understand yourself more fully. And then when you go on a meditation retreat, you can really drop in and do it. Versus if you, if I took all of you right now and I threw you in a, you know, a meditation retreat, it might be a disaster. You know, so this idea that like, you're a better practitioner if you spend more time doing it, I would actually say that's false. Yeah, because you could very easily waste your time sitting in meditation if you're not having the correct relationship to it. It could even, a lot of people I met in different monasteries around the world, I felt like were running away from their lives. 
were in the monasteries and they were kind of like grumpy and unhappy, but they were kind of there and almost this kind of weird displeasure with life in the world. And I look at these people and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, get out of here. Go, you know, take responsibility for yourself. You know, and I think that that's just kind of an important thing to see is that some of us even will judge ourselves, right? We're not sitting enough, so we think we're like doing bad or we're sitting a lot, so we feel like we're doing good. But I would say it's actually not about that. Maybe right now in your life, you need to be taking a break. Maybe you need to be taking it easy. Yeah, maybe you need to go on vacation or go sleep for a week and do nothing. You know, maybe that's the exact kind of medicine that you need to get back in balance and get back on the path for yourself. So there's really no recipe. There's no good, bad, right, wrong. It's just for yourself what makes sense. But definitely trying out having a regimented meditation practice, even for like a week, even for two weeks, you know, just to say to yourself, okay, every day this week at this time, I'm going to meditate. Set your alarm on your phone. You know, every day for one week, I'm going to just make the commitment to myself every day at this time for one week, I'll meditate and see, see how it is. See if you like it. It's not going to hurt you. The I have no time to meditate voice is bullshit, I guess I'll say just directly. Um, Of course, you have time. There's nobody that wakes up at four in the morning and is going until midnight. You know, we all have time. We all have breaks in our time. We could all wake up a little earlier, go to bed a little later or just use the time that we have to meditate in between. Um, so you could tell yourself if you feel like you don't have enough time, that's not true. That's not real. Um, but you might be so overwhelmed and dealing with so much other stuff that I know for myself, when I have a lot on my plate, even when I have free time, I feel like I'm busy because I have so many different themes working on me energetically that I could be doing nothing for hours, but I just feel like I'm totally stressed just because there's so much going on. Right? Which again goes back to how we relate to our lives will also affect how we meditate. When we're meditating, um, as I mentioned before, for myself anyway, one of the biggest teachings I received was to realize that meditation, it's not like you're trying to go somewhere or get somewhere. It's like you're trying to be more and more here. It's about letting go of expectations, letting go of trying and wanting. and really about actually just relaxing and dropping in and allowing things to be like they are. And becoming more content with them, becoming um, more at ease, just being with whatever you're in, however things are, and allowing it. And then the mind naturally starts kind of dropping in in that spot. And then you give it a focus, like your breath, for instance, right? You give it like a place to rest as you're breathing. Your mind is resting on the breath. And it starts to collect and concentrate and relax, and then it starts to feel good, and then it starts to get you know, more intense. Um, When you're focusing on the breath, there's things that can happen like you'll notice that you stop breathing. That's sometimes just a a side effect of relaxing. If you just get really, really, really relaxed, it's like you're not breathing anymore. Uh, Don't worry, because you can't kill yourself by holding your breath, right? Even if you tried that, you would maybe fall unconscious and then breathe while you're unconscious. So your breath is something that happens automatically. It's been happening since the day you were born. It happens when you're sleeping. So if you're meditating and you feel that you're getting so relaxed that your breathing's stopping, don't panic. Uh, just rest and wait for it wherever it was last. 
Um, however, if you notice that you're feeling it getting like tight and constricted, that's almost like stage fright, right? You know, stage fright, it's like you've rehearsed this thing, you know this thing so well, but then you go up and then suddenly there's all this attention on you and then you freeze, you lock up because you don't really know what you're supposed to do anymore. It's like that, breath is so natural, but if you focus on it, then maybe you start tightening up around it because it's all, suddenly it almost becomes forced, you know, instead of just this thing that's just happening. Um, and if you're tightening up around your breath, that's your ego wanting something from your breath, thinking that happiness, thinking that peace, thinking that meditation is in that breath, right? You're breathing and you think, oh, that's where my peace is. It's the breath. I need to hold the breath to, to be peaceful. But that mechanism of holding on, that's not meditation, right? So we're focusing then too much on the what and not the how, right? It's not about the breath. It's about our relationship to it. It's about letting go and relaxing and being present and dropping the mechanisms that are trying to get something, releasing those mechanisms, allowing things just to be. Yeah, so if you find that you're grasping on your breath, that, that was my problem in the monastery. I wanted this thing called meditation. I wanted things to be different. I was so miserable, I wanted peace. And that wanting, that grasping at that thing, that made me feel tight, that made everything forced, that made me feel frustrated, I was pushing. Yeah, and that mechanism, that's the reason I was miserable all day long in my daily life, because of forcing, pushing, trying, you know, to get things the way that I wanted. That was my recipe for misery. And I took that with me into the meditation, you know, and because of that meditation then wasn't a solution. It was the same. I just carried that over with me. And that's why meditation is so great is because if you really just look at it, you start to see all of your different mechanisms coming up. Yeah. And it gives you a chance to work with them, to open them up, to unfold them, to unpack them, etc. <clears throat> So my, um, my, one of my teachers, Achan Brahm, he told me this mantra, which was good enough, that as I was sitting there, I would just say to myself, good enough, it's good enough, the breath is good enough, this, is, this moment is good enough, everything's good enough, and that allowed me to like, start letting go, and just sat there and said, it's good enough, I'm good enough, it's fine, you know, and then my mind would drop really fast, because somebody's like, well, there's nothing to do, it's fine. So as I was saying, also when you're meditating, then different things will come up different um, besides our habitual um, mechanisms, these ways of dealing with things, trying to get, trying not to get. Also things that come up are memories, as you guys have all probably realized, and fantasies and things you want and don't want, and um, neurotic thinking, which we all experience, whether we know it or not. Um, some of us acutely are aware of our neurosis and our thinking, but some of us believe it. Yeah, um, you might be sitting in meditation and you might be thinking, oh, it's this room, it's getting really hot and oh, this is kind of miserable and oh, it's not working and oh, I don't really want to be here and what's going on and why can't it? And your mind will just be spinning out of control and you'll just be sitting there nodding along like, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, it is like that. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like under a spell. You're under the spell of your thoughts and you believe everything the thoughts are whispering in your ear. It's like the little cartoons, the Bugs Bunny cartoons with the angel and the demon on the shoulder like, saying in the ear, it's just whispering in your ear and you're just nodding along and everything it says, you're like, yeah, yeah, I do think that. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. And you haven't yet made that experience. It's like, oh, wait a minute, like, that's not, my thoughts aren't me. I don't have to listen to that thought. You could be sitting here and it could say, oh, it's miserable in here, oh, it's this, it's this. And you go, I don't, that's not what I think. 
Yeah, and maybe if you even look closer at that feeling, you'll say like, you know, my mother used to always be upset about how people prepared spaces or if things were just right. And actually that feeling is coming. That doesn't sound like me. That actually sounds like my mother. That's my mother in me. That's my mother's energy, my mother's opinions, her voice that I've internalized. And sometimes I'll hear things like that in my mind and I'll say, oh, okay, thank you, mom. You know, or, or my dad, right? Everything I did wasn't good enough. You know, doing this wrong, doing this wrong, doing this wrong. You know, so then like in my daily life, I see someone doing something and the thought, oh, they're doing it wrong, it's wrong. And I say, oh, thank you, dad. Thank you for, yes, dad, everyone's wrong. You're right, dad, just you, you got it. Everyone else is wrong, you know? But it's kind of like it opens it up to say, like, that's not me. I don't have to believe and invest in all those thoughts and all those things. Who knows where our thoughts even come from, right? We don't have control over them. If you had control over your thoughts, you should be able to stop thinking, right? Think about it. If we really had control over our thoughts, shouldn't we be able to stop them? If you can control, I can control my hand. I can put my hand down or I can pick my hand up. Right? So if we can control our thoughts, why can't we put our thoughts down? Yeah? You could try and then they pick back up all by themselves. Oh, I guess I'm not in control of my thoughts. So if we're not even in control of our thoughts, why do we identify with them so much? Yeah? So that's like a whole other part to start looking into what's going on with all that. So what also starts arising are different... um, I would say different deep emotional unresolved situations. These could be things from childhood. Um, These could be things, I would even say, Buddhists believe in like reincarnation cycles. One could even say from past lives. I know some of us have these certain feelings and we could trace our feelings back through our life and we're like I have no idea where that comes from and it feels like it goes all the way back to when I was born but that doesn't make sense so feelings we could ca- we could potentially carry trauma through lives if there is such a thing as past lives one could carry trauma through past lives or like while you're in your mother's womb maybe you're taking on some of her stuff without even realizing it right or as a kid or just throughout the life we have different events that we haven't been able to process, we haven't been able to work through, and we need to find ways in meditation to work with that, but also sometimes the meditation helps us see those things, they come up in the meditation, but then you have to be active. I've talked about this I think before, that to let go, sometimes to let go you can just let go, and sometimes to let go you have to be active. Um, And grieving was brought up as a thing, so um, I actually lost my father about eight months ago today Um, and two days ago I was in bed and I started thinking about him and feeling him and uh, and as I was going to bed I was just like all this information about him was coming in and it was like I felt like he's like worried about my mom and all this you know he feels kind of like bad he wish he did more or something like just kind of this array of thoughts and feelings coming through and I woke up the next morning and I told my girlfriend, she's like, it's so weird. I was like dreaming about your father last night too. Like he was kind of coming through. And I said, I, I want to go visit the grave today. So we went the next morning and I went to his grave and I, you know, I sat there and, um, and then I also just started crying and just all of this grief and sadness and all these emotions that I haven't really been connected to over the past half a year just came pouring out. I was like, whoa, okay, all that stuff's been inside. Like good to see it. 
And then we started doing mantras. We started praying for him and doing these prayers together. And I was trying to feel like, what, what is the, what's going on, Dad? Like, what can we do to help you? What's, what's happening? And then I um, remembered in the monastery, we used to chant the Medicine Buddha mantra. And the Medicine Buddha, it's like uh, this blue Buddha, and it's for healing of mental and emotional afflictions and all of this. And one of the nuns in our monastery said, you never chant it for dead people because you're not trying to heal them. They're already dead. But I felt like I should chant this, and I felt it. And I was like, you know, I want to chant this, but it's not for him, but it's to heal all the stuff that's still here. And I was like, okay, like, that makes more sense. And then so I you know, told the mantra to my girlfriend, and I started chanting it. And pretty much as I start chanting it, this, but, this uh, dragonfly comes, and it, zzz, it stops right in front of me, and then it lands on my leg. And it was green with like blue. And as I was chanting the mantra, the dragonfly was just sitting on my leg and it was breathing along to the beat of the mantra that I was chanting. And then the dragonfly picked up and then it flew over and landed on the tombstone. And then it flew on the name card. And then it flew up and it landed on the American flag. And then it circled around us. You know, and as this happened, my girl, she's just looking at me like, oh my God, you know, and I'm just chanting like, okay, cool, you know. And, and it was really, you know, and afterwards she's like, if I've ever seen a sign, like that was a sign, you know, it was very... Just very in our face, like, okay, good job, you know, you did it. And it felt like by doing that, just by sending some energy, and then I, you know, we put our hands on the grave together, and I said, Dad, like, you, we love you, you did great, you know, you're a great guy, you, you did your best, it's fine, like, you know, and we, I just spoke to him really from my heart and just gave thanks and all this, and then afterwards I left and I just felt so much lighter and so much freer, and so did she, and even the energetic connection that I felt towards my dad felt like lighter, and... And then I could let it go, right? Because I had kind of, I had to actively go through some process that I didn't even know what it was, but I just felt like I need to do something. And I just kind of hung out at the grave and tried stuff out until something felt right and then I could let it go. Um, and that's what it ended up being was just energetically, somehow I had to inject this feeling into the situation like you did good, it's okay, you did good. You know, and I think that... Um, when people pass, especially, my gosh, there's always so much stuff that hasn't been resolved and to deal with in relationships and energies and, you know, and initially it's always good just to be thankful for people when they pass, just to be thankful for what they've given. I found thankfulness is an immediate um, response to grief. That hole that was left, fill it with thankfulness. So that's like a life lesson for everybody in this room. If you ever lose somebody or something, send thankfulness into that void and it'll fill that space, yeah. Um, but then there's also like actual processes one has to do to let go in different layers and to move through it. And honestly, that's the same thing with life. Um, it's no different than anything else. Um, being in a relationship, right? Working through themes in your relationship together, having to talk and slowly work through things and move and crises we are talking about, um, you know, I would say that every one of us probably deals with like a crisis or two a year, um, maybe a huge crisis every couple of years, maybe every year some like minor crises, and then every month like a whole bunch of irritating things, and then every day, you know. Um, so there's always stuff going on. Um, in Germany, they, they call it a Baustelle, which it's like a construction area, a construction site that each of us in our lives, we have a bunch of construction sites, right? Maybe your job is okay, but your relationship isn't really making you satisfied. Or your relationship's okay, but you don't have any money, right? Or you have a lot of money, but you have no friends or hobbies, right? Or whatever, that 
usually we have a couple things like okay and then a bunch of things that we have no idea how to fit these pieces together you know and at any given moment all of us are carrying a lot of mental like psychic stress psychic tension emotional tension stuff that's unresolved stuff we have to deal with um and learning how to forbear things gracefully learning how to just be present with things but simultaneously learning how to really be proactive and working on things fixing things not settling right it's too easy to become lazy and to settle um i'm actually going tomorrow to tony robbins event in chicago for a week so he's like a motivational speaker and life coach and all of this stuff and kind of a big thing for him it's like create the life you want like don't settle for life like create your life be your life like really create an awesome life for yourself and you know a lot of us it's just easy to settle and to let things just be how they are without really trying to be fully happy with what's going on and i know for myself when there's crises um you need to kind of simultaneously hold the space for it while working through it yeah and there's a lot of people that have trouble holding the space that they just get very reactive right um and you have to learn how to just hold a space and it's like an argument you know if i if me and my girlfriend if we have an argument i hold the space i'm like okay there's this thing that's arisen like i feel it i'm like this doesn't feel good but i'll breathe and i'll feel this and simultaneously i'll start to feel how can we work through it how can we get to a place where there's a resolve you know and keep going until it's resolved and then okay now it's better and um and in life a lot of crises it's like that you just have to hold the space for it and slowly make the steps towards where you want to go and um i think the quality of insecurity of unsureness comes into play so i'm making this trip across country also and at the end of next month um probably you know, not going to be working much in those 3 months i'll be driving around i don't really know where i'm sleeping i don't really know what's going on a lot of uncertainty in that right my whole ground is kind of missing and i felt that for a couple months already that wow i don't really have a base anymore and i you know back home i have like a house and a car and i have great people and acting and i have this and i have everything kind of sorted out and to kind of leave that all it's it's groundless you know and there's like an anxiety and a fear and a stress and a tension that comes with groundlessness but there's also a way to look at that and say you know if i had to be really honest i could get in a car crash on the way home a meteor could hit the earth uh a million and one things could and do happen every day that are completely unexpected and one of the things i learned i think it was in it was one of like the silence of the lambs movies actually i think it was like Hannibal like grabs the therapist and he's like what have i taken from you and the guy wrote down like freedom and he's like no you are never free like what did i take from you and then the guy's like uh and then he writes down my illusion and then he lets him go and he was like that's what you've lost is i took away your illusion of safety your illusion of having control yeah and i thought that was like a pretty cool there's cool teachings hidden in movies right because it's like yeah that's the point you know we are all it's a big illusion we have the illusion of control yeah we have the illusion of control and that's what gets us through our days often is that you think you have control but then something happens and you realize oh that's not in my control but what usually happens then is that you'll think then something's wrong 
you'll blame that thing or you'll blame yourself or whoever's supposed to be responsible for that thing, right? If you get sick, we think something's wrong, right? Sickness is probably the most natural thing that happens to the body after birth and death, right? If somebody dies, we think something's wrong. Death is actually the only truth to our existence. We will die after this. You know, a lot of times the things that we think are wrong, you make a picnic and it rains, something's wrong. It's not the rain, it's your plan. It's that our illusion of having control, our illusion, like we were saying, expectations. I had a great meditation class next time, so I'm going to come back and have a great one again this time. Sorry, you're not in control. Yeah. And that's kind of what it comes back to again and again and again. And this is what I was saying about the meditation and the thoughts and the breath. You're not in control of it. Only when you let go of control, the mind can relax and rest. It's good enough. Okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the way that I want it to be. Because honestly, it never will be. And like, you know, I've tried to be a control freak before. It doesn't work very well. I know people in my life that try to be a control freak and they break down. Just driving here today, right? I was at a light and the light turned green and the car in front of me started honking at the guy in front of him to move. Like two seconds, just hold on a second. Like the guy just hasn't started his car yet. Like, you know, but just uh, tight, tension, control. Um, And it's miserable and it doesn't really work. And there's really not much wisdom involved in it. And it's, you know, it's, it's this illusion. It's this illusion of control finally equals security and happiness. And to some degree, I think that makes sense. There are, you know, like, because you guys, if you have a job, you're making money to make your food. And so that is a, ah, okay, like, right? We feel safe. I know I have a job, but that you could walk in tomorrow and you could get fired. You know, could happen. Right, so at the end of the day, all of our security, it's, it's relative, it's temporary, it's conditions. It's like the rainbow, you know, the sun comes out and it, the rain cloud passes and so it makes a rainbow in the distance. This manifestation, you know, combination of the rays of the sun and the rain cloud and where you're standing and you see this rainbow in the sky and it's so beautiful and wow, it's amazing. And that cloud just moves two inches to the side and that rainbow disappears. You know, that thing, it's only there because all these conditions are just in place just the right way that it's there. And as soon as the conditions shift, that rainbow disperses. And in Tibetan Buddhism, they talk about the human existence in the same way. They say, we are like rainbows. We are like flashes of lightning. You know, these things, they're just all very temporary and based off of everything being just a certain way. And then it'll move and it'll change again. And really dropping into that deeper truth of change, that deeper truth of not having control over things, um, of being a part of the flow of nature versus somehow, you know, being the master of it. It allows us to, again, become more peaceful. And instead of thinking that something's wrong, if you're not happy that something's wrong, it starts to let you, A, just hold space for things, B, be peaceful in the middle of the storms, and also see, really see, what do I, what can I do, right? What is my role? How can I be proactive? What, what can I do? The how, right? I'm sitting down now to meditate. Uh, I want my mind to be peaceful between now and the end of class. I want my mind to be peaceful. 
Okay, that's my goal. Can I control my mind into peace? No. Okay. Can I push it? No. Okay, what if I don't do anything then? What if I just like lay down on the floor and go to sleep? Is that going to work? No. Okay, but if I can't force it and then I can't abandon it, then what's that solution? How do I get where I want to go? And it's the how. It's how do we relate to it? Yeah, how do we not force and control, but also simultaneously, how do we not say then forget it? What's that middle way where we can say, I have an intention, I want to get peaceful, but I can't control it. I can't force myself to get peaceful, but that's what I want. So what's the path from here to there? Yeah, and it's the how. How do I relate to myself? How do I relate to my goal? How do I relate to this moment? By focusing on the how, it'll navigate itself there, like a sailboat. Right? It's like if you catch the wind, it'll move you there. It's like the how. So as we're practicing today, I really want you to focus on the how. How am I meditating? Yeah. Am I meditating with force? Am I meditating trying to control and to push? Am I meditating out of a place of feeling discontent? Right? Wanting to feel different than I feel right now? Wanting this moment to be different? Is it coming from a place of ego? right, of unsatisfactoriness, or is your how, is your meditation coming from a place of making peace, of allowing, of softening, of opening, yeah, concentration doesn't come when we force the mind to go, it does, but not for very long, concentration comes when the mind likes what it sees, then the mind gets pulled right in there, yeah, how, how can I like this? How can I like this moment? How can I like my breath? How can this feel good? Yeah? And that's all the practice. That's really what it's all about. Because that's the same tool, that's the same new mechanism that you're building up. This is the new computer program that I'm trying to download into your minds. That in your daily lives, that new how, how you're relating to your life, it'll change everything. Yeah, if you can relate to your life in a different way, if you can relate to your life in a way that's more peaceful, more open, more accepting, but still having intentions and directions you're moving towards, but finding that how to do that, that I feel good through the whole process and I feel good at the end, that the whole process is an, is an open process, it's a loving, a giving process, a spacious process. Yeah, that is all the practice and that's for you guys to kind of individually figure out how to get there. How does this work? Yeah. And it's not a mental process. It's a feeling process. You're going to sit down to meditate. And if you try thinking about it, it's not going to work. You're going to have to feel. How can I feel more relaxed right now? How can I feel more at peace? How can I feel more interested in the breath? Yeah, where is relaxation right now? Where is the pleasant, positive feelings right now? Yeah, how can I connect? How can I bring those things in? What feels good? How can I make the mind want to be here? Yeah, what is it? What is my connection? What is my relationship? Yeah, this is for your, this is your practice. This is for you to figure out.
So we're going to sit and um, we'll do a sitting meditation, a walking meditation, and then another short sitting meditation. And see if you can focus on the how. See if you can focus on really enjoying this whole process of really not feeling the need to escape in any way. Yeah, I feel like the room's getting hotter as we're sitting here. What is my relationship to that? Yeah, I'm starting to sweat. Okay, and is that really that big of a deal? Yeah, so really just starting to see how can I make peace with what's happening right now? Yeah, and that's the tool, that's the the skill, that's the program that you can then also take out of this room into your lives afterwards when you've mastered that. So sit in a position that you feel comfortable, that you feel stable, whatever that means. There are chairs available. Yeah. Some of them are... Yeah, please. 75-year-old body doesn't like this floor uh, longer. A 35-year-old body doesn't like the floor much either. So. <laughs> so yeah, feel free to grab some chairs and get comfortable.